Hello, welcome to Free Your Children on WXRQ 1460 AM Christian Radio. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd. Free Your Children's mission is to share the truth and love about education. There is a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children. We hope this ministry will equip you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. A big thank you to the sponsors of Free Your Children Radio Show and those that continue to support biblical education. If you are interested in sponsoring Free Your Children here on the radio, you can reach me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com. My hope is to encourage and equip parents to assume the biblical mandate to disciple their own children. Remember, no education is neutral. So it's 2023 now, and the Tennessee legislature is now in full swing. I am watching closely as legislation is introduced that involves education across the nation. So if you, in your state, I know that legislatures have already begun their process, and they are getting fired up for this new year. If you see legislation that you feel like you are concerned about, please contact me. I would love to hear about what's going on across the nation. You can send that information to me and we'll talk about it on the air. You can find me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. And also, I am a monthly contributor to the Murfreesboro Pulse. So you can find my content there at boroughpulse.com. I'm excited about today's guest. We have Dr. Michelle Hooper with us. Dr. Hooper has spent over 30 years in the field of education. During her career, she has served in a variety of leadership roles in state government, higher education, K-12, and the nonprofit sector. At the Oregon Department of Education, she served as chief of staff, the second highest executive position in the agency. Prior to this role, she served as Director of Teaching and Learning and Director of Operations for the department. Dr. Hooper has also worked for the College Board as a Senior Director and for the Salvation Army, where she coordinated the educational programs for the seven Salvation Army centers in the Southeast. Dr. Hooper is a former university professor, high school teacher, and holds a PhD in MS in adult education from Oregon State University. Currently, she serves as the Director of Operations for Carol Swain's Real Unity Training Solutions and volunteers with the national group U.S. Parents Involved in Education, where she serves on the leadership team and heads the Tennessee State Chapter. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Dr. Hooper? Good afternoon, Tiffany. I'm doing wonderful, and thank you so much for having me on your show today. Oh, I'm sure that we are going to learn so much from you today, and we are excited to have you as our guest. I want to start with you explaining to our listeners exactly what Parents in Education is. Well, U.S. Parents Involved in Education, it's a national organization. And it started in 2014, and it's it's been a wonderful opportunity for me um, as a volunteer to learn more about. It's being a grassroots organization. It is an all volunteer um, group, and it has a national presence. It has chapters in about 22 different states. And the main mission of U.S. Parents Involved in Education, or USPI, as I mm-hmm. refer to it, 
is to really stop the influence of the, the U.S. Department of Education, the federal influence on local education. That's the overall mission of, right. the, of the group. But its vision, its more short-term vision, is to really just help equip parents with awareness and an understanding that they are truly the authority for their mm -hmm. child's education and to help equip them to better understand how to, how to actually get involved. Right. It's a wonderful organization. I was looking at the website and seeing some of the names that you have involved and, and some of those people I have followed closely for several years and they have wonderful resources. And in Tennessee specifically, can you tell us what they're working on now? Well, that the thing about um, US Pi is because it's a, a smaller type of organization, right. um, Usually the, the, the state chapters don't have a lot of, you know, regular meetings or things like that. So we do a lot of our work through networking. Okay. And right now in Tennessee, what I do to contribute is I follow the, the education legislation. Right. And I, I try to keep a pulse in the local community to find out what it is that parents are needing so that we can share some of those educational resources. We right. do have a Facebook page mm -hmm. and we have a, a local chapter here in Blunt County. Okay. And so basically it's just staying aware of what's happening. And also there is a documentary that US Pi produced. Yes. That, um, we've done a local screening and hopefully I'll uh, be doing more around the state. And it's called Truth and Lies in American Education. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's kind of part of what we have going on right now. It's a little hard to kind of capture it and explain it because we just, we, we try to hit so many different areas. Absolutely. And there are a lot of areas to hit in education. It seems like every day there's something else that parents need to be aware of or concerned about. So you will let us know when there's a local screening for Truth and Lies in American Education? I would certainly do that. And in, um, in the meantime, as you mentioned, uh, going on the website, uh, mm -hmm. uspi.org, because mm -hmm. all of the blogs, the resources, the things that are are produced from USPI are placed there, and you'll find resources around how to interact with your local school board, how to better understand critical theory, yes. and all of the, of the things that that we are we're battling right now. Right. Well, I know that you your time that you spent with the Oregon Department of Education as the chief of staff, could you kind of tell us a little bit about your experiences with Common Core and the political maneuvering there that you experienced at the Oregon Department of Education? The, the interesting part about my time with the Department of Education is I served in a variety of roles at a couple of different points in time. Mm -hmm. And so when I was the director of teacher teaching and learning, that meant that I supervised all of the review and revision of all the academic content standards for the state of Oregon. And that was back in um, like 2010 when Common Core first started coming out. Right. And I had the opportunity to see how those standards were actually reviewed and revised by state. Right. And I didn't really understand some of the concerns that people had about those standards until much later. Right. And part of the review and revision process, you'll keep in mind that Common Core is only for math and English language arts. Mm -hmm. And with the English language arts standards, it was a it was a really strong departure from how right. English language arts had been taught in the past. Mm -hmm. And so over the subsequent years, even though states really have gotten away from Common Core, 
many of their standards still involve the same elements right in common core and tennessee is an example of one yes. of those states mm -hmm. so now the concerns that people have around social emotional learning or the types of texts that are being studied in ela programs mm -hmm. it's because those vestiges of yes. common core are still there yes so i had that experience back then and now i'm seeing it come come full circle what those concerns you know have been exactly and then, and then years later when i served as chief of staff mm -hmm. that just gave me even a a, a, a taller balcony to, right. to view the situation from and i was able to see all the policy maneuverings mm -hmm. and oregon still uses common core standards Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just that aspect of education policy that I was able to witness. I was able to, to see just all the political influences, to see the education system as a whole, to, to really start getting a better idea of really what's wrong with our system. Exactly. And this we could do a really, whole other show yes, on that, Tiffany. <laughs> yes, we could. And, and it's really prepared you for the position that you hold today. And what a great perspective that you have. Unfortunate is it is at least you understand how that works and you've seen firsthand exactly how it has influenced our educational system. Absolutely. And I really feel that the Lord placed me in those situations because as you know, Oregon is a very blue state. Yes. And I am a person of faith and that was, it was a struggle to work in that environment. Yes. But like you said, he was preparing me, you know, he, he knows all things. He had a yes. purpose for me. Yes. And so what it has enabled me to do is, like I mentioned, in hindsight, I to, to take all that information and all those experiences from back then mm -hmm. and apply them to now, it, it's it's something that I, I didn't realize that that's what he was doing. But in hindsight, now I see it all. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that your the experience that you just shared rings true for so many of us who have spent time in a position where we have worked in public schools, and we've seen the system from the inside. And yeah. so it gives us a perspective that someone who hasn't been in that position, obviously, um, may not have the knowledge or insight because they weren't there to see, like you said, the maneuvering and everything that's really going on. I had an experience when I was working as a classroom teacher when I was chosen to serve on a textbook committee. Mm -hmm. to choose it was actually a phonics curriculum at the time and we wanted I was teaching kindergarten at the time and we actually wanted there were 12 teachers 11 of us wanted to be able to be allowed to continue to keep phonics in the classroom and so we went and, and met I think it was several days that we were there and 11 of us voted to keep phonics to keep our current phonics curriculum one voted to replace it with something else which was a nightmare and didn't work. And they chose to go with the one instead of the 11. And then phonics was removed. And then, you know, of course, we all know what happens when phonics is removed from schools. And so I saw that as well. And I realized at that point that there wasn't any fixing <laughs> this, that it, there was other motivations involved that I personally felt like were attached to money mm -hmm. and not in the best interest of the students. Because as we know, textbooks and curriculum and testing, that's a big, huge money-making machine. So yes, it does give us a really interesting perspective and God prepares us for the next step, even though at the time we might not know it. 
<laughs> so which, yes, which also brings us to the position that you hold with Real Unity Training Solutions. So could you tell us what Real Unity Training Solutions is and what you do? So Real Unity Training Solutions is Carol Swain's company. Mm-hmm. And I believe that she's already shared some of the um, she has. Mm-hmm. some of her vision as to uh-huh. how the company came about. But where I enter the picture is when I learned about how she really wants to offer training that is based on unity and just mm-hmm. based, based on the, the positive things that corporate teams need. Um, I was very drawn to it. And so um, when Carol and I, when we were able to to cross paths and I became her director of operations to help with these endeavors, I also um, recognized that this was a great opportunity to to train school board members. Yes, because at first this was for like workplace development, correct? It wasn't originally supposed to be, well, it wasn't originally created to use in schools. Right. Okay. Unity Training Solutions really is is all originally about corporate training and uh-huh. um, and also you know for churches and other entities right. as well. But I happened to learn about um, the opportunity to become a school board training provider because uh-huh. in Tennessee that hasn't always been the case. That was exactly. only opened up to other entities last year. Right. So I filled out the application, created a course that was very specific around a certain Tennessee statute, the prohibited mm-hmm. concepts and instruction. Yes. And we got the course approved. And then that is what allowed us to enter the school board training space. So that's how we got there. Okay. And it's it's a fantastic training. We I actually interviewed a school board member, a local school board member that we have here in our county who attended the training. And you'll get to hear his interview and all about his experiences, and I, I highly recommend that everyone listen to that. But could you explain to our listeners what this concepts law is? What this is, it was um, it was legislation that was introduced by Representative Don Reagan from Oak Ridge, mm-hmm. and he recognized, as so many others of us have, that in our K twelve public school system, unfortunately, a lot of the curriculum has been designed based upon a certain ideology, which is very unhealthy. It's known as critical theory. Mm -hmm. And so this legislation, even though it doesn't mention that phrase, it specifically spells out 14 elements that cannot exist in Tennessee curriculum. And so what this particular training does is help school board members understand what they need to do to comply with that law. Those 14 concepts are explained. Mm -hmm. And also there are examples that are given as to how it could show up in curriculum, what it might look like. But also there's a segment that fully explains what critical theory is. Mm -hmm. It's an ideology. It's a framework that can be applied to basically anything. And the fact that it can be embedded or it can be a lens that's used in instruction is something that school board members just need to understand because it can be something right in front of you. And you don't really see it until you see how it's being implemented. So that's our goal is to help school board members understand it so -hmm. that they can do what they were elected to do. And that is comply with the law and make sure that, 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 that students are getting the best education possible without an indoctrination. Absolutely. And you and I had spoken about there's some nuances that have maybe been clarified recently within the law. Could you speak to that a little bit? 
Well, the, the law itself hasn't quite changed. Um, I, I believe that there might be some new legislation introduced this session to tweak okay. it to make it a bit clearer. Okay. But, what, but what has been clarified a bit is there is an administrative process mm-hmm. that anyone who wants to file a complaint, if they feel, if a, if a student, an employee of a district, or a parent feels that there is a prohibited concept being taught in their child's school, mm-hmm. then there is a process that they need to go through and that starts with the district. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the Department of Education in Tennessee that oversees that process and helps, right. helps parents or students or employees go through it. Mm-hmm. Just recently, um, the department created a document that they've posted on their website which spells out that process a little more clearly. It's okay. like anything within mm-hmm. a state agency, it's complicated. Yes. And parents really need to be guided through this process. The Absolutely. Goal, the goal is that whenever this is brought to a school district's attention, that they remedy it. That right. they go through a, an investigation on their own and that they, they correct it. Okay, that's good to know. And I've seen the documentation and the forms that, you know, mm-hmm. a parent can fill out. And you are right. I think this is kind of uncharted territory for a lot of parents and they don't know how to navigate the process. So I think it's good for school board members to obviously participate in this training. And like you said, do what they were elected to do, which is to help the parents navigate this. And if they have concerns, remedy them. Right. And, and to recognize this is about doing what's best for kids. This isn't about protecting a school district. I know that oftentimes school (laughs) districts will get on the defensive. Yes. can be very risk averse, but that's what this is about. This is about doing the right thing. It's about complying with the state law Mm -hmm. and making sure that children are being educated in what they need to be educated in, not in an ideology that contains very concerning elements. Absolutely. And what I have seen firsthand, because I've spoken to our local school board about this particular topic right here, is that some of these programs that are propagating CRT are tied to ESSER funding, and the school systems seem to be more concerned about losing the federal funding than they are about the content of the programs that they are adopting into their school's curriculum. And so that's concerning to me right there as as a taxpayer. Yes, absolutely. That is a concern. And there again, just kind of to loop back to our opening conversation, that's why groups like US Pi recognize the dangers of yes. federal influence in local education. And you know, Tiffany, what a lot of people don't recognize, that federal funding only represents about 12% of education funding for the state of Tennessee. Right. And, it, and in most states, it's less than than that. Yes. So if there would just be some political will yes, and there would absolutely. be some some resistance <laughs> to accepting those federal funds, look, look at a, what a better place we would be. Absolutely. And I do have to say in our local school board, we do have some um, sitting members that I believe are waking up to this because the vote was close. It was six to five. So five voted against it, six voted because they saw the dangers in what the program was trying to bring to the table. And so I was thrilled to see that five were educated enough to vote against it, but there's still lots of work (laughs) that needs to be done. And so I'm thankful that 
Real Unity Training Solutions has a program specifically for school board members. Thank you for that. And that is so encouraging, the vote that you mentioned. And, and, and that's where it starts. It's, it's the awareness. It's the education. It's every school board member really taking the time to mm -hmm. familiarize themselves with what this is, getting past all the talking points that we hear on the media, getting past all of the, you know, the narratives that are out there and getting to the truth. Absolutely. Really studying it for what it is and recognizing the harm that it's creating. Yes. We, we can't afford to have a generation that doesn't understand the, the true except, exceptionalism of this country. Not that there haven't been mistakes in this country. This is a man-made institution. Absolutely. But to recognize that there are blessings in this nation that are not known anywhere else in the world. Amen. And we can't have children being taught that they live in a society that, sh that they should be ashamed of. Absolutely. And, and it's so pervasive. Dr. Swain and I spoke about this when we talked about her book, Black Eye for America. It's everywhere. It's in colleges. It's in primary schools, secondary schools, workplaces, and in the church. It's even infiltrated the church. So, um, you know, I think that the general public at large, and, and that book is written in layman's terms for the layperson to read and understand, because mm -hmm. I think what happens with a lot of uh, of these um, acronyms that are used, and then of course CRT, it has been able, just like all kinds of different things, to morph itself, you know, with different names into different things, because what I have seen is SEL, social emotional learning in our area, is propagating CRT within a lot of their programs, so they changed the they change the acronyms, but it's still the same thing. So it's a good opportunity, you know, to, to tell, to explain to people what it really is so they know what to look for. You're so right, Tiffany. And oftentimes I think that's, you know, the author of confusion. We, yep. know, we know who that is. And I think that that's one of the strongest messages to give parents and school board members is don't get distracted. Right. Don't let all of that jargon, don't let all of the, the, the verbiage take you away from what this really is all about. And it does require some study, mm -hmm. but there's some, just some concrete facts here that right. I think can be very helpful for, for school board members to understand. And one of the, the elements of the training that we have is helping people understand where this begins for many classroom teachers. And that's yes. in their teacher education prep programs. Absolutely. I was a professor of teacher education and I saw it coming in. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately it, it's been going on for a long time. Yes. And I think when people recognize that this philosophy is such an assumed philosophy of truth mm -hmm. in so many teacher education programs, when they see that that's where it's being introduced, it's part and parcel of a teacher prep program. And so many teachers feel well, then this is accurate. This right. is how I best serve my students. And many of them themselves are indoctrinated in it without even recognizing its dangers. And so when you approach a teacher and say, this is harmful to students, and yet they've been prepared that, no, this is what's best helping students. Exactly. That's oftentimes where that misunderstanding can come in. Yes, and you are 100% correct in that because all those years ago when I was a classroom teacher, that was part of my training, and I was indoctrinated in all those things, and thankfully the scales were removed from my eyes, 
And that's one of the many reasons why I do what I do is to help educate and inform other parents and and other professionals, teaching professionals and people that are still currently teaching in the educational system or employed by the educational system. I think when I realize the foundation of the system and what its roots were, it really helped me put into perspective and understand why we have what we have today. It isn't an accident. It isn't anything new. It was all done by design. So I think. So, so good that that you just shared all of that because you have such credibility in what what you're saying. You've been a classroom teacher and you saw how it was part of your own preparation. And that, I think that's what's so important for all of us is to use our experiences yes. to help others recognize, look, we lived this. Right. And, and I was once blind and now yes. I see too. That's right. <laughs> I, I say often that when we know better, we should do better. Oh, so, you know, we should, we should make it a goal of ours to help other people see the truth. And of course, when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, he goes before us and makes a way. And like we spoke earlier, he prepares a path for us. And then, you know, he knows what's going to happen before we know. And Mm -hmm. he lines it all up. And another hot topic, too, that I wanted to touch on briefly before we have to go is how what you have seen with library associations, because that's a really hot topic right now. How have the library associations changed, in your opinion? Oh, th- this could be a whole nother show. I know. I know. <laughs> but maybe this can be like a teaser trailer. That's right. <laughs> we'll have to have you back. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> the one thing that I really would like to encourage parents to, to understand is the whole world of children's books has changed dramatically over the last decade. There has been an absolute infusion of social justice themed books, gender identity themed books, all aimed at children and young readers. There's a pervasive agenda in many of these books and they're they're very intentionally designed to have things in them that certainly um, followers of Christ are not going to approve of or want for their children. But even non-believers, I do not believe would want this level of sexualization and harm being brought to their children. Now, the change that's happened that I think has allowed a lot of this to occur without parents recognizing it, and even some teachers and maybe school librarians, mm-hmm. is, is I'll just simplify it and call it the Newberry Medal. Mm-hmm. Many people, when they look at a children's book and they see that it has won, won the Newberry Medal, well, back in the day, that, right. meant, that was a fantastic book that, exactly. oh my goodness, I yes. want my child to have that book. Yep. That medal is awarded by an association called the American Library Association that has always been more progressive, but it has really taken a hard turn left over the last few years. Mm -hmm. They award that medal. And unfortunately, that library association has a partnership with a lot of these publishing houses that are encouraging these types of titles. And so when you see that medal now, Oftentimes, the ones, the individuals that have awarded that book, they are not representing a, a Christ-centered ideology. Right. It, it is it's something that really you need to dig deeper and look at that book, because we're not just talking about um, 
communist themes that maybe right. the difference of opinion or, or exactly. some four letter words. Mm -hmm. We're talking about books that have incredibly graphic yes. passages in them yes. that are very detailed yes. and, and are explicit sex acts, even sometimes mm -hmm. between adults and children. Yes. So this is obscenity on a level that we have never seen. And so because that American Library Association has an arm mm -hmm. that is for school librarians, mm -hmm. that means that whenever they message and whenever they send out recommendations for their latest children's books or their award-winning books, they're influencing school librarians too. So when you hear somebody defend a book by saying, it's award-winning, right. it has the Newbery Medal. I'm just saying, don't trust that anymore. Unfortunately, right. it's been hijacked. So take a look and please recognize this is an intentional effort to flood things into our school libraries. Mm -hmm. I call it the satanic whisper. Yes. Because it's putting things in children's minds that they can't unsee. Right, they, exactly. It, they can't unread. And it's just a very dangerous thing. So that's that's the message that I would want to share about that. Well, thank you, Michelle. And you're right. That's a whole nother show, <laughs> a whole nother topic, unfortunately. But parents, please remember you are the gatekeepers. You are the gatekeepers of what your children are learning and what they're seeing. And please remember, parents, you are equipped to lead and direct your child's education but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James 1, 6. Mm -hmm. Have faith that the Holy Spirit will guide and direct you. Remember, parents and everyone, all of our listeners, we love you here at WXRQ, but Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless.